Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Music can only mean one thing. The Larkcast is back, baby. Back. We back. Dang. Good to be back in the saddle, man. What's up, Russ? It is. It is. How much, man? It's uh it's morning. We're recording. We're back from a little hiatus. As some people have said to me recently. Hey man, when are you guys going back to work? <laughs> Like it is the morning. It is the morning when we're recording. (laughs) If you're watching on YouTube, you can tell by the bags under my eyes. Um, but if you're uh if you're just plain old listening to the audio of this, um, maybe you can tell by the growl in my voice. But yes, Hmm. we are back and sound a little bit like me. People, (laughs) yeah, I'm getting closer (laughs) to you. People were not happy that we took a break. We were getting yelled at, yeah. Yeah, which was encouraging, um, for sure. To you know, take a little, take a month off, and you know, ask, you know, people ask you need to come back. But just so we're clear, one of the few things that I had to say to people were, uh, "Hey, I don't know if you know this, but the podcast is probably the least of the things <laughs> on my to do list for what <laughs> yes. we do with Lark." It's the least of what we do. Um, but for those of you who are new to the Larkcast, I'm Tony, and this yeah. other guy. Um, over here who's wearing a really really nice shirt today you're probably gonna want you're probably gonna want to pause this jump on youtube to watch this episode just so you can see rush's shirt and and the place where he podcasts got him a lamp and a plant as well it used to just be a black background but now it looks like he's in like a legit like you know a a, a space someone cares about this is uh this is this is my practice. This is this is, this is where I meet with my patients. <laughs> wouldn't that be wouldn't that be awesome? Dude, oh, you man. probably what if someone opened up a counseling business and they were just like this like straight up honest everyday person, no degree. They just told it like according to common sense. Just, Dude, that person would crush it, man. Probably would. Yeah. That's kind of the world we've moved into now. I don't even tell people I went to college. <laughs> Keep it quiet. <laughs> so yeah, yeah for those who are listening for the first time, welcome. For those who have been journeying with us, welcome back. For just clarity's sake, this podcast has definitely been a journey in which we've been helping people grab onto a very sort of like core question in life. What is God really like? Mm-hmm. As in like, what is he truly like? What not... Not all the messages about Jesus that I've heard in regards to what God's like, but what did Mm -hmm. Jesus actually say God is like? The parables are probably the best place to to discover that answer. And that's what we've been walking through for a season. And man, we're picking back up today with a pretty dope story, man, to to unpack from Jesus. One that that we often say, like, just, you know, stops you, you know, dead in your tracks, flips everything you've ever thought. (laughs) 
about life and God right on its head. Um, and it, as if it the, could as very if the well, others haven't done that. Yeah, it could, this one can well. very well uh, piss you off long before it sets you free. But man, the, the beauty in this, when, uh, when you come to the end of your rope and just decide to get honest about yourself, boy, it's good. Yeah, why don't you read that framing little paragraph you have written up there? So this thing can sit in our brains, you know? Yeah, it's a good one. God, uh, God is unimpressed with the labor done in his fields. He keeps no time clock, measures no yields. Thus, his workers cannot differentiate themselves from one another. And at the end of the day, they're all paid well. Overachievers and slackers, the ambitious and the lazy, are all lumped together side by side and given equal share. Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a vineyard operated in this manner, wherein the master is bent on displaying outrageous generosity to any old bum who may stumble into work. In fact, the only qualification for receiving full pay from this nutty master seems to be showing up by quitting time. Now, that's really great news for anyone who stinks at life. So if only the winners could get over themselves everyone might actually enjoy happy hour together. Mm, nice. I like it. Yeah, man. So sometimes we have the time and the energy and the creativity to whip those little dudes up there so that can live in your brain. But we are, as Russ said, we're taking a trip to a winery today. Mm. Um, but before we get to spend some time in the tasting room, we have to spend some time in the fields, in the vineyard with the employees. And it's harvest time. There's a big job at hand. And let's say, let's just say this job is so big that it takes a lot of people to get the job done. Um, various people are coming in and out at various different times during the day. Um, the owner of the field is a good dude. He's, he's in a particularly good mood today because the job gets done. And at the end of the day, everybody lines up to get their pay. And some are ecstatic. And some are pretty irate. And so the parable is found in Matthew 20, Matthew 21 to 16. Um, and it reads like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went when he went out again about noon and about three, he did the same. And at about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, why are you standing here all day? They said to him, because no one's hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us. And we've bore the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied mm -hmm. to them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? 
or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Bro. There it is, man. So before we dive into this parable, we want to briefly touch on the context. And you know, if you've been listening to the Larkcast, we're really kind of diving into the scriptures specifically. So we're kind of looking at like we're reading scripture. We're looking at like what's before it, what's after it. We're looking at other scriptures in light of like the, the one uh, uh, that is our focus for that day. And mm-hmm. for this for this parable in particular, um, the context um, is is very, very helpful because of the thing that happens before it and then the thing that happens after it. So here we have this parable of what God's like and this this the grace here the inclusion, the love, um, the pushing back against earning and winning and striving and measuring and, you know, performance just gets dismantled. And it's kind of hard to not imagine that this parable is directly a result from two interactions that Jesus has prior to this. One is with Um, a very successful young guy who comes to him just before Matthew 20. And he comes to him and he says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So this dude's pretty successful, but like most successful people, maybe he's coming to realize that life's not all bound up in material possessions or job titles or 401ks. Or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Ferraris and motorcycles. I don't know what this dude's deal is, right? He's having this kind of like existential crisis, maybe. And he comes to Jesus and he goes, hey, what good deed do I need to do to have eternal life? And so this guy, he's built his life on winning. He's very, very successful. The problem is, is he thinks the spiritual aspect, this religious aspect, it comes in the same way. What do I have to do he goes okay i'm switching from business now to spirituality mm-hmm. so clearly the same practices and the same disciplines that got yeah. me here right in life very successful are surely going to work on this side mm-hmm. and so he says what do i need to do and he's coming to jesus like hey man break it down for me what's the formula what's the abcs do you have a master class that I can like listen to, you know, watch or whatever. You can tell in the way he asked the question, it's very yeah. telling for how he thinks this all is going to work. So this yeah. dude wants to earn it. And so Jesus runs right to runs right to the law. He goes, okay, let's see. Let's see where this dude's at. Right. I and love this question. Br- Which one's that? Just he's like, Cause this dude's like, what good deeds do I need to do? Yeah. And Jesus is like, Oh, tell me about this. Good. Yeah. T- tell me about that one. Yeah. He has a, he, he questions his assumption about, yeah. you know, his goodness, right. The goodness of his deeds. I love it, man. I love it. And so Jesus is like usual. He's trying to help this, this guy, for his joy, come to the end 
of his virtuous rope, come to the end of his striving, come to the end of his winning ways. Because as we've seen in the grace parables, salvation doesn't work in winning. It doesn't work in success. It works Mm -hmm. in lastness, deadness, leastness, lostness, right? Those who are lost, those who are dead are objects of God's saving love. They embrace it. it. It doesn't work in a theology of glory, which assumes that, hey, the same way I can climb the ladder at work is the same way I can climb the ladder up to God. Yeah, you see a lot of guys I've noticed in the business world, friends of mine that are believers, they, they'll naturally attribute like business practices to what it is to know and follow Jesus. Right. Um, in, uh, for whatever reason, sports always gets thrown in as an analogy. Yeah, you know, because there's like this one place where Paul talks about like, you know, training and they're like, yeah, man, like we got to train for, you know, train for this discipline and train for, you know, patience and train for honesty and train, you know, all these things. And I'm like, no, guys, those are fruit of the spirit, not a fruit of us. Like the training here is a, is a training yourself to trust in what Jesus has done. But we'll, I'm just, the point I'm getting at is there's like this thing that's in us. that's in all of us, man. It wants to be a winner. Like we are petrified dude yeah. of that playground insult that haunts all of us to this day. Loser. Yeah. Well, I'll piggyback on that. A little bit of foreshadowing. If you're a business, <laughs> if you're a business guy and you're looking to the teachings of Jesus so that you can like build this like Christian business, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fall flat on your face with this one today. <laughs> because yeah. if you take, if you take the business practices of this vineyard owner, you're going to be out of business ASAP. Yeah. I don't want to get after you get sued for labor infractions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, but so back to the, the, the successful, you know, young, young guy, uh, Jesus runs down the, the law with him, you know, all the like, you know, adultery and honoring father and mother. And like, you know, all these things he goes, yep. Crushing it, killing yep. it. I've done it. it since all, I was done a, all those things since I was a kid. Ben crushing it, dude, Ben doing all that. He goes, oh, okay, cool. Here's the, here's the phrase Jesus used. If you want to be perfect. Stop right there. Say that again. If you want to be perfect, Dude. he play he plays on what this guy thinks is needed, on what is good, on which what is, is why good. I ask him. Oh, so tell me about this good. Yeah, he plays. In other on words, it. I don't think you really understand how perfect, righteous, holy God is, mm-hmm. and what it truly means to walk in what is good and righteous and holy not just in action, but even in your very thoughts and motives, mm-hmm. the very core of who you are. And I think that's kind of what he's bringing to light. And so, yeah, he walks him through this list. And instead of the guy looking at the list through what it really truly demands and going, yeah, bro, I ain't got it, man. I ain't up to the task. Like yeah. I thought I was instead. Mm-hmm. He ends with crushing it. So yep. again, master storyteller who loves people and brings beautiful wounds says, okay, well, if you want to be, and I love how you said it, perfect, because that's what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. If you want to be perfect, take everything you have and give it away. Give yeah. it away to the poor. And the dude walked away sad. So Jesus hits him right where his comfort is, right where his trust is right where his identity is, right where it counts, man. Yeah. And the dude 
walked away sad. And Jesus is really kind of like, he, he's obviously, he, he's in this conversation, but he's watching this guy walk away and he has this moment where he just has this like commentary on the moment. And I like Mark's version of the gospel because it says that he was looking at him almost like Jesus is walk, watching him walk away. And he has this, he has this realization. He goes, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And he doesn't mm-hmm. say it in like a condemning way. He says it almost like with this, it's almost like with a sadness. Yeah, it's like a lament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's lamenting over it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know like I've heard that preached in the past, like, yeah, how hard it is for a rich person, you know? And it's like this real like condemning kind of a thing. I think he was just, he said out loud what the reality is because dying to your winning ways when you're so successful, when your whole life is built on winning, yeah, right? It's hard to make that shift, man. It's hard to make that shift. Lost yeah, sheep, harder. lost sheep and lost sons, you know, lost coins. Um, oh. You're already there. You're already there. And so maybe it's a little bit easier to grab hold of, you know, a rescue that comes in your, in your dire situation. But man, when you're crushing it at life. So he says how hard it is. And he uses this imagery. It's almost like as impossible as a camel going through the eye of a needle. Yeah. And before I know a few people who listen to this podcast, you know, who, you know, are a little, there, there's the, some Bible neat nicks and they're like, well, there's a place in Jerusalem that's called the eye of the needle. And a camel has to strip all of its, you know, cargo off of it in order to fit through this thing or, you know, you know, whatever. For the people who go to that world of, well, there's this place and, you know, through the right efforts, there is the case where a camel can make it through this like one section. Okay, cool. Yeah, you have to get the cargo off of it and, yeah. you know, yeah. And of course, there's always debate, you know, well, I'm like, is Jesus referring to that? Or is he just literally looking at everybody who's very familiar with camels and very familiar with needles and just saying, yeah, you see this tiny opening here called the eye of a needle? Yeah, you see that giant camel over there? Yeah. You see the impossibility of this? And so to me, like where it lands is just go with what Jesus says. What does he say after that? This is impossible. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> this. <laughs> so, yeah. I, but then he goes on and say, but with God, all things, not some, but all things. Yeah. Possible. I think, I think Jesus has seen the impossibility of really what he's asking of the world. He's asking them really to come to the end of themselves. And dude, as I've, I know myself and how hard I grab onto the things I think are right. Even like in arguments with my wife, it's kind of crazy how much I can be, just be alive to my side of the story. You know what I'm saying? To just grab onto that, that winning and my perspective and my side. And I think that's just indicative of just the human heart that is applying to the same, you know, this young man mm-hmm. right here too. We can't imagine, we can't lose. We cannot lose. No, no, man. It, it definitely is uh, something that's in us. I think the, probably the best way I know how to phrase it is, I think what Jesus is getting at in the parable that we're going to be unpacking more in just a minute, and then this story even that we're talking about right now, which all 
you know, leads right into, I think, what he's getting at in the story. I think he starts to really address why losers, which is AKA humanity, in light of what's actually good, in light of what's actually perfect, which is what Jesus addresses. All of humanity, right, has lost. Um, and I think there's this thing that he's getting at in which he's starting to help us see why losers are so, you know, just trying so hard to be winners and why winners are so petrified of admitting they're losers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just this underlying belief throughout time that a better you is needed, it's possible, and it's pleasing to God. Like your humanity is this obstacle that you need to overcome so that you don't miss out. It's like, that is the lie in the garden. Mm -hmm. And since that moment, people have been selling that snake oil in churches and companies and causes and governments alike, bro, mm -hmm. that a better you is needed. It's possible and pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. Now, if we can just get all the right facts and just get all the right disciplines, to overcome this humanity, then we'll have the ideal self and the ideal society. Yeah. And we don't actually find that with God, but we do find it within all of humanity, which I think is why it's so freaking hard for us to just admit, yeah, dude, I ain't got it, man. Grace only makes yeah. sense when you're not, when you realize you're not up to the task. Yeah. And when you find that God never asked you to be in the first place. Yep. <laughs> So it really is, it really is an impossible thing. And so this guy walks away sad. Well, the disciples, um, you know, they get a little bit, they get a little bit frustrated because they just, they just watch Jesus call a guy to give up everything he has to follow him. And mm -hmm. he walked away and was able to keep everything he had, but he's not following Jesus. And Peter, of course it's Peter, right? <laughs> Because he's the, he, he's he's the uh, he's the don't think before I speak foot in mouth brash just say it how it is kind of a dude, and um, he was like, well, well, what about us? We've left oh. everything. We've lit. We've literally left everything to come follow you. What are we gonna have in oh. the end? Right. What What are we gonna get, man? Yeah. And it's almost like this question of like, well, what do we get for giving up everything? Um, what, yeah, he literally says, well, then question can, of fairness. Who can be saved then? Yeah. Who can be oh, saved yeah, yeah. This is like what's, you know what I mean? What's needed of all of us. Yeah. No, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. He was just like, well, what the heck? Who can get, <laughs> who can, who can get in? This almost seems like he yeah. is picking up on the impossibility, you know, mm. of it. And then he's asking this question of fairness. Well, we've been following you this whole time. Like, what do we get at the end of the day? You know, yeah. and isn't it funny that we, he says, what do we get? Cause we've sacrificed all for you. What do we get at the end of the day? He tells a parable about some people who've been working in the fields all day and yeah. a moment of what they get at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of funny. And, and you can um, just, you know, before we jump into the parable more, like if you could just stop for a second and think, like I get kind of where Peter's coming from. Oh, yeah. Because if you're not paying attention to the words, which I think is what we all do, we just run through things without actually stopping and looking at the word that he used and going, well, what does that word mean? Mm. 
Like the other day, I posted something about faithfulness, like that our faith is not validated by our faithfulness. Yeah. And somebody reached out like, dude, that's, that's crazy. That's not true. And I'm like, well, faithfulness by definition is to be full of faith. So if you attached works to it, then we're no longer talking about faith or faithfulness. Yeah. And he was like, oh my God, dude, I've been literally leading in churches for years and just skipped right through the actual meaning of the words that were used. I think with this dude wanting to know what good deeds do I need to do? And then going on and thinking he's actually done the good deeds. Jesus just sort of helps him really see what being perfect is. But if you're not careful, you can almost think Jesus is bringing like some addition to the law of Moses. And mm-hmm. now he's just doubling down and God just actually is opposed to rich people and is out to like really just make it hard on them. In fact, yeah. he's against all of us having any sort of like money, right? which is completely um, in line and very popular with a lot of what we see in, in the world today, but is completely out of sync with everything God has actually said about money and having it. Mm-hmm. And so you could see why Peter's like, well, man, like what, what about us, man? Like, what do we need to do? Seriously? Like what, what, what does anybody need to do? And I, and I love the, like the long gaze that Jesus has there where he gets into like, Hey, just so we're clear, like with man, as you've already brought up, right, this is impossible, but, you know, but with God, all things are possible, including saving a world that's in love with an imaginary scorecard that they can't even keep up with. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's just what grace is and how it works. I love the way Capen says that an eye for an eye, <laughs> all an eye for an eye does is double the number of eyeless people going around <laughs> wreaking havoc in the world. <laughs> so there has to be some other means for us because this, this list keeping ain't going to do it, bro. And I think that's where Jesus like kind of looks at where the sadness that he has for this guy who's trusted in what he's what he thought he brought to the table. And he's yeah. petrified of actually admitting who he really is and what he really needs. And then he's looking at the disciples who are questioning their eternity because they think they've done it. But yet they're wondering like, have I done enough? And dude, I think that's all of us, man. We ask, what must I do? Right. Not what is God like? Because we assume what God is like. We assume Bingo. he plays by the same rules that all of life plays by. Yep. So we, since we assume that we're like, okay, well, what do I got to do? And the better question is what is God like? And into all this, this, this rich dude who walks away, these disciples that are frustrated because they're wanting to know what's in it for them in the end to all of it, the impossibility of it, the lamenting of it, the sadness Mm -hmm. of it, Jesus launches into a parable to say what God is like. And the parable is simple. It's straightforward. This guy has a vineyard. It's harvest season. It's a big job at hand. And he needs lots of hands, more than what he thought at the beginning of the day. And he hires some guys in the morning, some guys a few hours later, more guys a few hours after that, and then some guys an hour before quitting time. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he pays them all the same thing yeah and if you can play that scene out in your mind for just a minute you wonder because to me the the key to that whole parable is the end in which case jesus seems to paint a picture of god being this 
this father, this vineyard owner who, who's in a good mood and for fun takes the people who just showed up an hour before quitting time and moves them intentionally, Jesus says, to the front of the line. He makes the last first in line mm-hmm. and pays them first. And I don't know if those guys, like part of me says like struggle of humanity and this, like this, how petrified we are of indiscriminate grace. Right. Uh, like I tried to buy dude lunch yesterday and he just refused to not take care of the tip. Like he just could not fathom just letting me pay the bill and pay the tip. And I've been there just to be clear, you know what I mean? Like there's this thing in it. So you wonder if the people who got paid were like quiet, almost like, like frustrated that they got paid all this because they didn't earn it. Or you wonder if they were the types who were like, bro, <laughs> this dude's paying two fifty an hour, <laughs> you know, like holding up a check, which case everyone in line, including the people at the very back of the line, probably start doing the math. And oh, they're yeah. like, what? Two fifty an hour. And they start adding up. We've been here eight hours. And that's what Ooh. they've got in mind. Yeah. And when they get up to their spot, bro, and they get handed 250, it's like rut row. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yep. And out of So comes. for me, like this is it's this kind of hits me in a personal way because um I my uncle owned a fire restoration company. So growing mm-hmm. up, you know, summers as a as a kid when I was in high school, you know, 15 years old, I'm 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 going on job sites, houses that had a fire and we're, we're gutting these houses and, and fixing them up. And I remember one of the first things he told me, cause I was learning everything, you know, I was learning, you know, I went demo to, you know, the carpentry crew to the painting crew, drywall, you know, I'm, I was learning everything. I think he wanted me to take the business over. I remember the, one of the first things he told me was don't tell anybody how much you make an hour. I don't think it was a favoritism thing because he started me off at $5 an hour, kicking, kicking ceilings down with blown in insulation because I was the smallest dude on the crew. Hey, go open that ceiling and kick the ceiling down. <laughs> All the rest of the guys are older and fat, you know, and uh, I don't think it was a it wasn't a favoritism thing. It really speaks to really what, you know, we're, we're talking about here. Mm. You know, you can just you can totally picture those dudes doing the math. I know it. I've been there, you oh, yeah. know, and it just speaks to the fact that like that fairness and, and counting mm-hmm. and status, status based on pay too. You know, it was definitely yeah. like, all right, who, who's the main dude on the job? All right. This guy's the lead guy. He gets paid more. You know what I'm saying? We're always, we are always sizing each other up. We're always looking at our performance versus another guy. Well, I know that guy makes 20 and I only make 17 and I'm out here. I'm more skilled than him and I'm busting my ass. You can totally imagine them being super pissed. I'd be pissed. Yeah. And it's, it's sad, man. But when you, when you cut through all the noise, you, you realize that then and now status, your status um, is like, is basically significance. And this, yep. this sense of significance for a lot of people right now, is just straight up salvation, man. Yeah. Like their very sense of security in this world. And you could see all of it, you know, kind of crumbling right before their very eyes. 
no mm-hmm. different than it crumbled before the rich young ruler's eyes who thought his status was his significance and his significance mm-hmm. was his salvation and then realized, oh, yeah, that status I thought I had in reality of what it actually means to be good. Um, yeah, I, uh, I failed. And of course, in his case, man, he walked away. Where in the disciples case, it was like going back and doing the math, man, and what, you know, running through their list and wondering, like, have I done enough? Like, seriously, like, I, I feel like I'm there. But just to be clear, Jesus. Yeah, dude. You see that whole that whole scene play out. And man, it's the way that Jesus tells the story, it was the people who worked all day that you know, they got an issue with this. To me, that's most fitting to, to the disciples that Jesus is telling the story to, kind of where they're yeah. coming from. I can't think of a more vivid way to point to this really isn't about what you do or don't do. It's really just about my generosity, my love, my grace, and, and yeah. how I want to treat humanity than this. It's, it's, it's so perfect because we like, we get it at the most like basic, you know, level God in Christ has died to all bookkeeping, all scorekeeping, all counting, all merit, all demerit. And it's the question. The most important question is what is God like? And Jesus is telling us what he's like. Yes. And so if you are the type that is you know looking at the scriptures right we talked about earlier as someone who's going to find like a playbook for how to run a business how to run a family how to do relationships grace is a horrible model for success yes it's a horrible model for success it's a horrible model for winning it's a horrible model for keeping everybody happy (laughs) it's a horrible model for all those things. Like imagine if someone built a business on the, let's call it the kingdom ethic of Matthew chapter 20. Um, dude, I live in Northwest Indiana. So there's a lot of union labor right around me, especially among the trades, but exclusively in the steel mills, railroads, oil refineries up on Lake Michigan's South shore. Right. And the mm-hmm. unions were formed around better wages, reasonable hours, and better conditions. Now, Russ, you were with me when we saw this. But when, last time you were in Northwest Indiana, we were driving through my city. And there was a new daycare that was recently built where I live. And they didn't choose union contractors. And so here's what the unions do. They sent protesters with, I'm not kidding you, a 25-foot wide banner. And all it said on it was shame on kitty daycare. (laughs) (laughs) And they had a huge giant inflatable rat that was horrifying, horrifying. If this thing was a toy inside this daycare, it would have traumatized a child. Okay. And there's, you know, four or five guys out there holding up this banner. And it just says shame on kitty daycare for not doing the fair right and just thing if this in their minds in their right and just right if this dude's vineyard was in chicagoland where i live holy crap dude yeah yeah it's uh 
you know, not to mention like that little point that you brought up just as just a side little fun note is like we, you know, the vineyard owner, Jesus says, goes and hires a crew, offers a wage. And just to be clear, according to the story, pays those people exactly what he promised, what they agreed to. Mm-hmm. And of course, with each, you know, a few more hours, some more people, a few more hours, some more people, a few more hours, some more people. Right. And then down to the one hour before quitting time. Um, we think like, oh, yeah, yeah, you just went out and grabbed a few more. Oh, cool, man. We don't like sometimes stop and take all this into account. Like, no, dude, if you were left around all day long without a job, if you went down to like in your, in where you live, if you went down to the union hall, right, to pick up work and no one picked you up and you were there all day long, all day, and no one picked you for their crew. You're drinking coffee. You've now, you know, tapped into your buddy's flask who's sitting at the table next to you reading magazines. <laughs> You're not exactly the cream of the crop, dude, that anyone's looking for to come work for them. Yeah, there might be a few, you know, needles in the haystack around there. But yeah, typically anybody how who's it a goes, good worker has been picked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've been picked up already. Yeah. I was talking to a union. Uh, he owns a, a union plumbing outfit. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking, he was a buddy. I was talking to him the other day and he was talking about his business is growing. He goes, yeah, man, I'm trying to find the right person. You know, he goes, dude, I don't want to go to the hall, dude. Like all those dudes there. He- here's the phrase. They're there for a reason. Mm. They're there for, for a, reason. a reason. All right. So how many times in society have we heard? Well, yeah, so-and-so's in that boat and they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. This is the crew mm-hmm. that gets picked up an hour before quitting time. These are the people who just got paid the same mm-hmm. as the winners in society who aren't yeah. there for a reason. In fact, they're up here for a reason yep. and got paid yep. the same. So you start to really see the outrage here, man, like in right. the story. Right. And it ends basically with, you know, Jesus telling them. Can, that- can I say one, one really, really quick thing on that yeah. is I think we all love the um, like a generous story. You know, like, um, what was the name of that show where they used to like flip people's houses in 24 hours and they'd pull the truck away and they, uh, reveal. yeah, what, what was that? Like, not house flippers or I don't, I don't know, you man. know, There's the like show, a thousand yeah. of those shows that have come out since then, but I know yeah, what you're where everybody about. rallies around this, you know, this person has this story. And a lot of times they'll dive into their story and it's like, usually like it's hard luck or maybe they had a tragedy or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? They were like this, um, they were a lovable family. They were. Yes. You know, there, there was something about them that was, you know, just endeared your heart to them. They and were we all celebrated. <laughs> yeah, they were deserving of the greats. That's Which a great way to say <laughs> But that's how, we, the that's how we think. Yeah. That's how we but think. it's like, how, like, how <laughs> that show would get canceled <laughs> if it was like, yeah, we just redid this like meth addict's house. Right. We would be outraged, you know, by that. We love grace if it fits. Yep. That's such a great point. And I think it, it really helps us see the outrage in the story, man. And it all moves towards Jesus, basically, you know, ending the story with, you know, people are, are up in arms. You know, they've done the math in their heads. Uh, they're getting all excited, you know. Hey, Ricky Bobby, this dude's paying $250 an hour, man. Wait till we get, you know, <laughs> till we get up to the front of the line. So they're not happy, man, when all this happens. But there's a word to me that's really important here that Jesus uses. It's in the actual original language in the scriptures. Okay. It's a Greek word and it's equivalent to like, Hey, pal. 
So when they start to grumble about how they received what they agreed to work for, just to be clear, that the vineyard owner paid them. They're all up in arms because of this undeserving crew up here that got equal share. And so they're upset. But in Jesus's, the way he tells the story is the vineyard owner is like, he's annoyed, man. He literally responds with this like unfriendly word for friend. Okay. It, it's, it's the equivalent of being, like I said, like, hey, pal. Um, hey, pal. Hey, yeah. bud. <laughs> hey, hey, who you calling guy, pal? Uh, ironically, it's the same word that was used toward Judas at his betrayal. Right. Like that's kind of a, like a needed note here, man, because the vineyard owner is not happy with this. He basically says like, man, you're telling me what I can do with my money. Look, I just wanted to have some fun here, man. I put these people at the front of the line to show everyone that there are no insiders and outsiders here. None. When I'm happy, everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. That's why I did this to show you what I'm really like. To move everybody away from all these things that are div constantly dividing you from each other and robbing you of the very joy of what it means to be alive. Yeah. So you could all just get to happy hour and enjoy the open bar that I've got over here for free. And it's the only open bar that this world is ever going to know. Amen, dude. And that's Amen. all I'm trying to do here. Like I started thinking about it and it's almost like he's making this point back up now and take the rich young ruler context that we talked about earlier and the disciples. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, everyone is in the payout line. Okay. Not the payment line. Everyone is in the payout line. No one is in the payment line. Oh, that's good. If you actually know what is good and what is needed. Mm. If yep. you could just grasp that it's yep. truly, it's truly dude, life-changing. It's kind if of what you're saying. Everyone's getting equal pay. Yeah. Equal if you're pay. standing in the payment line and there is a line and there is a line. Yeah. If you're standing in the payment line and there is a line, <laughs> the person who, the person who's got their hand out receiving yep. payments, that's not the God that Jesus describes. No, no. If you're in a payment it line, it could be, it could be, a, you know, it could be um, a group of friends that you're trying to fit into. It mm -hmm. could be a parent that you're trying to appease. It could be yourself. You're trying to prove something to. It yeah, could be a social just idea of what you ought to be or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it could be, you know, a, a religious voice, um, the voice of a pastor. The voice of a spiritual mentor telling you yeah. that you got to do all these things and be perfect, right? This it's is not, what a faithful Christian is, yep. right? And then you go down the list of all these Gives. things that we got to, right? We got to, we got to get together. He's a giver. Here. He's a giver. Yeah. And Jesus in this story says, everyone is in the payout line. If you're in a payment line or even think you need to be in one or you're trying to get into one, then you are in a line that does not lead to me. Mm -hmm. You are operating in good faith to the wrong God, to the wrong God. Yep. Because my line is a pay outline and everyone gets equal pay, not because they're deserving, but because I'm good. Mm -hmm. This is how grace works. 
it works by raising the dead. It doesn't work by improving people who are improvable. It's like, Dude, that's what come he's getting on, at. Man. Your humanity is not something I've ever asked you to overcome, ever. And in your constant pursuit to do so, you're literally, ironically, losing what it means to be human altogether. Yep. So and if the- you could just grab onto this, we could realize that friendship is actually assumed with God and each other, not acquired. Can we head to happy hour now? Can we just get over here, dude, and get to drinking and celebration of the God who met us where we are and did all that was needed so we could live and breathe and dwell together with harmony, man? And dude, as, as freaking good as that news is, and that was fantastic, dude. I love that. <laughs> I loved every bit of that. And as good as that is, man, there are going to be some who just insist on that not being the case. And they are going to get scandalized. They are going to get frustrated. They are going to be angry. And they are going to insist on merit and demerit. They're going to insist on scorekeeping. They're going to insist on bookkeeping. They're going to insist on resumes. They're going to insist on fairness. They're going to insist on good deeds. And this message is going to straight up anger them and frustrate them. And they will refuse, refuse to put a smile on their face and order a drink at the bar during happy hour, which is paid for by the owner. They're going to refuse. You're saying that with with an envelope full of cash. In your pocket. Yeah. And a free drink in your hand. So it's like the denying of our very existence. But I look at this story from Jesus, man, and all of a sudden I pull back and I'm like, wow. Rich young rulers are are free to not be anxious and sad. Disciples who are wondering if they've done enough. Are, are free to not be exhausted and bitter. It, everything, every, just everything, dude, that is robbing us of the joy that we're looking for comes from seeing a reality that's right under our nose and what God is actually like, according to what Jesus really said. Yep. Now, if we would just be willing to take him at his word. Maybe all the uh, Facebook wars could come crashing to an end. Are people fighting on Facebook? Oh, bro. It's insanity, man. Really? This is the parable, the story of a God who's like a nutty vineyard owner (laughs) (laughs) who gives out equal pay to unequal work just because he's that good just shut up receive it smile and rest in it man amen and trust it that's it that's it when all the work is finished john 19 30 it is finished when all the work is finished the only thing left to do is just trust it rest in it receive it and live your life in light of it. So until next time, 
where we get into another doozy of a parable. The one that has definitely caused more stir than probably anyone I've ever taught ever. Um, yeah. And amen yeah, for it, man. Next week's going to be good. But so, until next time, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>